Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast. I'm your highly caffeinated host with a charming Central European accent, but sitting in his bedroom in Northern California, interviewing coffee people from all around the world. Valerian Rala. Life is good here. Plenty of awesome rain, which California desperately needs. Uh, I can skip my showers, but I can't imagine to not have water for my favorite coffee. Last week, the Good Food Awards were awarded in San Francisco. And I'm happy to say that two of former guests, Willem Booth, my partner in crime in uh, coffeecourses.com, and Mike Perry from Clatch Coffee were awarded. Not only that, but one of our upcoming guests works for another company, which was awarded too on this event. So congrats, guys. And this brings me to a question. Is it my highly developed skill to find the best guest for this podcast? Or is it a coincidence? <laughs> the decision is up to you, but it makes me very happy that we can have all these highly accomplished coffee professionals on this podcast. They give us their time and they are happy to share their skills for free. So big thank you guys. Thank you for being on this show and thank you to do this for us. In this episode, we are going to talk about coffee a bit differently. We are living in a times when you can get to your customers very, very close. And as one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin, puts it, never in the history it was so easy to create your own tribes as it is today. We have all the tools and they are free. So why so many businesses do this wrong? To not be them, do it right. Well, for this podcast, I invited Henry Wilson, founder of a new but rapidly growing magazine, Perfect Daily Grind. Henry and his team are doing amazing job with social media, and I ask him to share his insights. As a social media freak myself, I share some of the ideas and my experience with social media marketing. But do not forget, we call it social media marketing, but the word social is the first and most important in this. So get inspired and create happy tribes which make your business prosper and grow with Henry Wilson from Perfect Daily Grind. Welcome, Henry, in uh, Coffees.me podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Pleasure to be here. You work for an online magazine called Perfect Daily Grind. So what is Perfect Daily Grind? And uh, why are you different than, let's say, Sprudge, Daily Coffee News, or other online or offline magazines? So Perfect Daily Grind is a digital coffee publication, and we're dedicated to writing about the story behind the cup. And I suppose the way we're different from the other publications you mentioned is we work really, really hard to document everything. So we have talking about production methods, processing methods, to roasting techniques, to coffee shop culture. So we're really trying to cover all of those bases. And I'm of the opinion that if you're going to write about that, you can't just hire a staff writer to cover that topic. You need to have the expert themselves, so the farmer themselves, talking about those topics. So I'd say that's our principal difference. And then also we have a strong emphasis on social media. So every, all the content that we, we make is designed to be shared and to be distributed across social media. 
I noticed that, and I'm going to ask you about that because uh, you are very strong on social media and you're doing an amazing job. As a social media freak myself, I, I noticed that right away. Uh, so is your magazine more for a consumer who likes coffee or is it more for professionals who want to learn how to run and manage a, a cafe or learn how to roast? So who, who is your audience? That's a really good question. And it really depends on the content that we're pushing out. So we try to provide content for different groups of people. So we have content specifically targeted to baristas and the other content to roasters and other content even to farmers. But my secret goal, or not a secret goal, one of my main goals is to create content that perhaps our parents or people that are interested in coffee but don't know a lot could read. Mm -hmm. So we try and create content which matches all the groups. But principally, it is people in the coffee industry which read it. But we're desperately trying to produce content to get people because specialty coffee is growing so quickly. And there's so many people that don't really know what's going on. And I want to invite those people to learn. That, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's one of the uh, biggest goals. That, I think that should be one of the biggest goals for uh, even every coffee professional to kind of invite the regular consumer to drink their coffee. Simply because I think that in a specialty world, we became such a snobs that we started to intimidate people. So I hope you will, good, will do a good job <laughs> to, to kind of introduce this amazing coffee to a regular consumer too. Yeah, well, I got a test. I'd like to get my grandma occasionally. I sit her down and say, oh, can you read this article? And if she's not co totally confused, then I think we're doing a good job. That's a great test. That's, everybody should do that. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes. Hopefully it works. <laughs> I don't have grandma anymore, but uh, maybe I can ask my mother-in-law. <laughs> you can borrow mine. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do that. Okay, you, you already mentioned that you have writers in your team. And you also mentioned that uh, you have some external people who write for you. So does it mean that you accept guest bloggers? Or how, how does this work? If I want to write an article for you as a, as a coffee professional, what do I do? Uh, we certainly do accept guest bloggers. And it all depends. Like Our goal is to provide content from the source, so from the front line. So if you're a roaster and you're, you want to get more involved in the roasting community, then of course you can drop us a line and we'll discuss potential articles. And, but we tend to assess each person on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. and, it, like, yeah, and it's a strong opportunity as well. Like, we really take a great pride in having people across the world. So if someone's in like a, a country which perhaps doesn't get much exposure, say, for example, we had a piece last week on Sri Lanka, and then we had another piece uh, on... Uh, Panama, it's important to get, the, to get people in those countries really participating in the coffee community. And they do read you, right? So where are your uh, readers from? So we have the USA, the UK and Australia. But then we also have a massively growing readership in Asia and all over Europe. But Asia especially is growing very quickly, which is very exciting. Oh, yeah. So, in, in, well, I think in every regard, they grow very quickly in the coffee industry, yeah. Definitely. And um, we're working to get our content translated. So we have a Korean media partner to translate into Korean. And we're just negotiating with uh, China. But it's, it's very different. And the, 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 I mean, it links into social media. But the way contrary, content is distributed, especially in China, is almost completely different. Hmm. So now we are already speaking about trends and how fast this industry is developing. And you are close to the source. You get all the cool articles. You get all the cool trends. So tell us, what are the newest coffee business trends? And how do you see the coffee industry? And not only the specialty, but generally the coffee industry in the next five years. 
Um, that's a really difficult question. Of course, there's no easy question here. <laughs> um, I think personally, I think we're going to see a move towards, despite everyone admires and enjoys the artis artisanship and the craft of the specialty coffee in the third wave brew methods, I think we will, we will start moving a bit towards more towards convenience. Because if we're going to start appealing to a larger audience, especially coffee drinkers, then we have to, obviously, it's a big consideration. If you speak to most of your friends that aren't into specialty coffee, that's one thing they always talk about is time. I'm too busy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing we'll see more innovative equipment appealing to that. And I, and I also hope that we see more transparency. And that term has actually lost a lot of meaning because uh, it can be used in any marketing material by any company. Yeah. But what I mean by that is a direct contact between the roaster and, and the farmer. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean that the roaster has direct trade and the roaster is responsible for the exportation and importation of the coffee, but just that they understand, they, they speak with, they engage with the farmer, so they're able to reiterate that information back to the consumer. And the social media is a great way how to do this. So De Definitely. I mean, I have so many tabs open on my Facebook at the moment just talking to farmers and people across the world. Close them. I don't want pinging in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on silent. Okay, one of the perks of this podcast is that you can plug, uh, plug your products or services. So in December, I you know, saw an email where you opened your magazine for advertisers. So first question is, why only now? So we waited uh, around at least around two. So the site was actually founded by myself about two years ago. But then only since about a year ago did we decide, okay, there's a lot of potential in this. And we started producing five to ten articles a week. And we waited a whole year for, uh, to advertise because we wanted to make sure that we could really offer advertisers or put coffee businesses something for them to work, work with and to grow their business. And also, I spent a long time devising a, kind of a unique package. We didn't want to just go through the old school model of only providing a sidebar banner advertisement. We wanted to offer a bit more. So mm -hmm. that's why we offered social media consultancy and featuring in the newsletter also. Where can they get this package? Is it something on your website? Yeah, there's a hyperlink at the website. Okay. So you about us and the advertise with us, it's just there. Okay, I'll link there. I will link there so if somebody's interested, they can check it out. Okay, my other question is, I have to ask this. Our listeners are hardcore business people. And for every penny, we want millions back. So what can advertising on your platform deliver to us? Because I'm also one of those business people. And uh, did you get already some feedback on the conversions? Yeah, so in terms of uh, the precise data on conversions, we've literally only started advertising about 12 days ago. So we don't have the information on the conversions, the precise data. But what I can say is that we're getting um, over, so I think it's about 130,000 visits last month mm. on page views. And the most important part of that is that each user tends to spend an average of two minutes and eight seconds on the site. So as opposed to a news website where someone flicks on and flicks off, people come on to Perfect Daily Grind to read articles and to really engage with them. So that means any of our advertising partners that we work with, they benefit, they benefit from someone actually sitting there and reading and having their advertisement on the side. Also, I personally just love talking to people. So I'm always having a chat with our advertising partners and discussing, okay, where are you looking to go? And how can we, how can we help you with that? What can we talk about? Because it's all about sharing ideas. I mean, the whole idea of Perfect Daily Grind came from me just talking to people and exchanging ideas and identifying niches. Okay. That, that's fair. Uh, cool. 
you know, <clears throat> it's not free that you can plug your product on this uh, podcast. So what I want from you now <laughs> is, is uh, give me your knowledge. And because you are so, you did such a great uh, job with your website and social media, let's talk about that. Let's help out some people uh, to improve their uh, website and website building and uh, social media skills. So let's start with the website. So how did you build your first website? What pl- platform did you use and how did you evolve? So when it first started, we built it via WordPress and it was an incredibly simple platform and I really had no idea what I was doing. So I just share a simple post and it was a very basic uh, template. And then we moved on to using a theme mm-hmm. within WordPress and then it's hosted via GoDaddy. But the beauty of, of building a site via WordPress is, I mean, the site was built around a year ago and then we just add content. But obviously all the time you're tweaking it, but every time you tweak it, you have to take the time to do so because as you probably know, when you change anything on a computer, sometimes, especially with a website, random things occur elsewhere. So it's not a quick process, but if you really take the time, then it's incredibly rewarding. Are you still using WordPress? Yes, we are. Okay. And are you still using GoDaddy? Yes, we are. But we've, uh, we're also adding some increased security as well, just because as you, as you become, as you get more and more traffic, occasionally you notice that people try and Enter oh, yeah. the site. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I know that. I, I manage many multiple sites, but I know. Uh, question about GoDaddy. It's, it's interesting because I used to use GoDaddy a long, long time ago, and they really sucked then. But I hear a lot, hear a lot of cool things about GoDaddy these days. What I found fantastic is, I mean, I sound like I'm working with them, but I mean, I, I've had a, I, something's happened before where I've had a confusion over a payment, and I just called them up, and it went straight to a call center in the US, and then they, uh, they resolved my query. Oh, that's that's good to hear. So, how is uh, so you are you using GoDaddy's like a smaller plan or bigger plan or w- w- which plan do you use? Um, we've had to. Uh, what happens is as you be as you get more visitors, and as you as the uh, I guess the engagement with the site increases, you have to adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. So, as of as our readership went up, we received a notification saying uh, we recommend that you purchase a a, str- a, a higher package. Okay. And then we just adjusted that accordingly. But to be honest, we're preempting it as well. So we've been monitoring it closely for months because you want to, the, the only reason why we aim to have, you pay a more expensive package is because you want the site to be as quick as possible. Exactly. Cool. That's good to know. So you can start with GoDaddy and you can have different plans as you grow. That's kind of cool. From my side, just to share my experience because I'm in this myself, I started to use two like shared hosts. One is SideGround. The guys in, are in Bulgaria. And for I really recommend it for people who have online stores because they have hell security when it comes to online stores. Uh, they have so-called PCI compliance, which very few hosts have. And the other one, which I kind of like, uh, started to use for actually coffees.me is hosted there. I'm testing them. Is A2 hosting. A very weird name. I don't know why is it A2 hosting, but they seem to be snapping kind of cool, but I don't know do much about it yet. I'm just still testing it. Uh, for our bigger projects, we use known host. Uh, and, uh, well, that, you know, I, they're, they're very responsive, but we had some issues. So, that's Yeah, I mean, I found, I found that as long as you use a reliable host, then at least they have relatively strong customer support. And that's just from general experience. Uh, and, I mean, my... 
And but my ex my expertise is certainly not in this department. I actually work with someone else who provides more detailed, and he, I sort of go to him, and he provide he kind of lays out the options, and then we select it from there. I'm sort of more interested in the social media side. I understand. Um, you know, but most of the people who will start a website are on our level. You know, they just are looking for something uh, not professional. They're not professionals. Anyhow, so you said that you have 130,000 visitors now. How did you do it? Visit. Sorry, visit. So visit. Okay. So, so we started off in, so just to clarify, so I think last month we had 45,000 unique visitors. Mm -hmm. So how did I do it? It's a, the simplest way to say it is we create content that people want to read. And obviously that doesn't sound like a, like a, like a very exciting piece of news. <laughs> what's, what's important and what we do is we actually have to monitor what's trending in the industry, what people are talking about, and produce articles to match that. But then also you have to spend a significant amount of time promoting. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean, to, mean spending hundreds of dollars on advertising it's actually not that at all. It's, it's working and to promote that via social media, getting the right people to read it and engaging with the correct audience. Before I ask you about this, because you think about social media, before I ask you about social media and how we can do it on a social media, let me ask you this. How does your philosophy uh, of writing articles or writing things what people want translate to, let's say, a coffee roasting company or somebody who sells you know, coffee gear online? Yeah, so I mean, I see so many uh, uh, websites and so many coffee publications where they focus on something which is incredibly specific and often can be more interesting to the people writing it themselves rather than their actual audience. Mm -hmm. And I've and I've been guilty of that myself because I've obviously have certain interests, which are things I'm more interested about, and I've poured my heart into these most fantastic articles, only to see only uh, I don't know, I need to see only tens of likes, which is very disappointing. But now. What, you, what, I, what I do is I actually after kind of each article is an indication of what's popular or not. So mm. you need to be studying what's going on in the industry. So if you're a roaster, for example, you've got to play to your strengths, we always say, and try to position yourself as giving something back. The old school model of just kind of saying, OK, we have new coffee out doesn't get you very far. You've got to offer information which people will share, which people will discuss and present it, and then present it on your site. It's all about giving something back. I'm, I'm of the opinion. Okay. So, so if go ahead, sorry. Well, it's not. It's not about just saying okay. Well, uh, like selflessly providing information for no cause. You want to attract people on your site so people trust you. They think you're a reputed brand, and then they see you as a as an as a thought leader in the industry. So, for example, if I look at our roasting site uh, section on the side of, on the side of the website. Uh, we had a section on everything you need to know about coffee blends, a previous article about Indonesian wet hold process, a one-stop guide, another article on what roasting dates can and can't tell you about coffee. And these are questions that, are, of course, are interesting to roasters, but are also interesting to their consumers. So it's really about engaging with your audience and working out what you think they're interested in and also presenting the information in an accessible way. And this, this is also a big issue you see. Often people spend so long writing the article, but they neglect the part which is arguably actually more important about how you present it. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by how you present it? What kind of images and videos are you going to use? Titles? Because I heard your titles are pretty cool. Yeah, well, the title is incredibly important because you've got to, 
I mean, there's literally an endless supply of information on the internet. So, for example, the article I mentioned on roasting dates. If you were to Google roasting dates, there'd just be an endless list of articles. Mm-hmm. So, what you have to do is you have to make your stand out and appeals to a people appeal to people's emotion. So, often you can appeal to someone's sense of identity. So, you can say, "What does a barista think of this?" or "A barista guide," and that appeals to baristas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of address the user directly. So, saying, "What do you?" rather than saying I. So imagine if you read two titles, what I learned, or another one saying what you could learn. Yeah. Which one are you more likely to click on? Of course, what you could learn, because you feel like you're in a gain from that. Yeah, and I, I love your, uh, that, that's a great tip, by the way, the, the naming the audience. So you basically put a barista into that article right away. So I'm a barista, ah, it's for me, I want that. And also when you talk, that's a very important marketing strategy, by the way, in every aspect, not only titles, to say, to talk about them, not about you. I agree with you. I see, I see so many articles writing about, you know, me, 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 me. And it's like, I don't think why you think about yourself that you are so, you know, like interesting, you know, you have to make the article interesting to other people and you have to talk about them if you, if you want to be successful with them. So I, I like those tips. Thanks. That's a great danger also with videos because videos you can get so into it and so excited and you can end up making a really long video mm. and then you're not really addressing any topic in particular or you're not really addressing the reader. You're, it just ends up being just a kind of a video without any real purpose. And that's it is really difficult. At least with an article, you can really sit down, focus and engage it. Cool. Uh, let's go to let's talk about Facebook because you guys are very active on Facebook. Um so I see you have now around seven to up to seven thousand likes on your page, right? Yep. So how important are these likes? Is it something which is just a vanity or are actually these likes useful? I, I agree with you that it is certainly there's certainly an element of vanity to it, because it is very difficult to suddenly get thousands and thousands of likes. You mm-hmm. can either I mean certain there are certain services available where people purchase likes. Uh, there you can invite certain audiences to just give mass likes, but it doesn't really lead you to any any benefit. So what we really work on is engagement. So for example, an article which we shared four hours ago, it's doing okay. It's had forty five thousand likes, forty five likes, sorry, and fourteen <laughs> shares. Forty five thousand likes would be insane. I was like, uh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be that would be like uh, the New York Times, but. Uh, and then an article we shared on Sunday had something along the lines of 66 likes and 24 shares. And that's at the weekend, so the engagement's a bit lower. So rather than just looking at the metric of likes, which a lot of companies do when they ask you, oh, so what's your social media reach? They look at your likes. You have to actually be looking at the reach of each post. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you post something on your, or on your page, nowadays you, can, you have a little button there. It says boost. Uh, do you boost your articles? And if so, when? I don't boost the articles just because I haven't found them to be a good use of uh, resources. I would definitely use them, and I have experimented with it in the past with entering new markets because obviously the benefit is you can, you can specify a particular geographic location mm-hmm. and you can also specify by a particular interest group. So, for example, if you're a roastery based in California, you can say, I want to appeal to people who have an interest in roasting and that live within this geographic region of California. And it works. But personally, I haven't really got involved because what it does is it leads to big spikes in traffic, I've noticed. So you get thousands of people on one day, and it goes back down again. Uh Because much like if it's someone 
if you're on a Facebook feed. Occasionally, you, read, you just find yourself reading random articles and they're interesting, but you never actually go back to them. So what we really try and get people to do is people that come on the website to keep them coming over and over and over again. And we've found that the best way to do that is but through, through an organic reach rather than actually a paid reach. You can use paid reach, but it's expensive. You just have to keep sustaining that, that reach. But I think for many businesses, you know, the paid reach is the one which they have to cope with. I mean, it's, to be a magazine, it's, it's, it's different for it because you make something, some articles which are kind of, you know, uh, interest of people. While businesses many times pushing their own products or, you know, own marketing agenda. And by the way, even for businesses that boost, many times they are not like uh, advising to use it because it's not that efficient. I find it a bit different. You know, I saw that boosting for business can actually work. I have this roaster green plantation in Slovakia, and we sometimes boost. Um, well, we boost in two cases. One, if we have a new product, it's very easy to get to our customers. You know that we have a new coffee because we just boost it, and we, as you said, you can select the audience. So we just select people who like our page or people who like our, and it costs three bucks. You know, so it's not a biggie. And the other boost is when. I want to brag about something and I want my com my competitors audience know about this. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. And I definitely do. It's an opportunity to, to make sure that people have seen your post. It's an, it's an important piece of information, perhaps so. But what I tend to do is I tend to look at the Twitter, the uh, Facebook and then monitor the Google analytics. So I'm looking mm -hmm. and what I've always noticed is when we do the Facebook advertisement, people click on and then they click off which I actually try and avoid because we're yeah. really proud of having the really high engagement and mm. the really high session durations. Session duration being how long did each person spend on the site? It's good to get your name out there, but not actually, not actually to get people to be familiar with you. Okay. And, but it, it, it's definitely a shortcut, I would, I would say, but it's not something to be used over and over again. But I, for example, if you're doing a Facebook post, and even if you've paid for it or not, regardless, you still want to monitor the success of that post. So mm. what you look at at Facebook is you look at the number of clicks and you look at the, at, you look at the reach. And often you'll notice that with some, some other pages, they have large Facebook audiences in terms of likes, but they have very low, they have very low um, like specific, specific articles and they have lower reach. Mm -hmm. So what your aim is to do is regardless number of likes you want, you want to get the maximum number of reach. So the reach is determined by the number of people that share the articles like it cool uh so i already made that mistake when i called facebook pages facebook groups because facebook does have pages and groups do you use facebook groups for something um yeah so when we were starting out in, in terms of to get people to start reading our content and to start engaging and to get some feedback uh we actually we we uh would occasionally share articles on the groups and our social media team would see what's going on in the groups and then see if something was of interest, then we'd try and produce an article on that. But we tend to try and move away from that now. But it's definitely important because the best way to see what the barista community or a certain community thinks of, a, thinks of an article is to directly uh, share with them and say, what do you think? So much so that last week um, we shared an article and I somehow found it on a Facebook group because obviously things people share things and things get shared around and someone said oh no well i didn't actually like this article and i read their feedback and i said okay we'll take it down oh the whole article the whole article it was on um eight ways to annoy a specialty barista 
and it was a bit of a joke and it was like i it was english irony but i think sometimes you have to be careful with english irony like uh it was it was saying things like uh when you're in a cafe and you're working as a barista and someone orders a decaf coffee and then they ask you about seven times whether it's a decaf so they'll so as you hand them the coffee they say oh um is this still a decaf or when someone orders a pour over they add milk and sugar and that could be irritating for a barista it was meant to be a bit of playful joke but Someone said, oh, they didn't like it. And I kind of agreed with what they said, so we just took it down. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. That, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, so, some people are more sensitive to certain things. And if you can take, if you can be that responsive to your audience, then that's fantastic. You I agree. That. But yeah. you, you will always have somebody who doesn't like you. That's just given. Not everybody will love you, you know. Yeah, well, the way I think it is, I think if I was a listener or a reader and someone said to me I don't like that and you said fine we'll change it then I'd be like wow I'd, I'd be really grateful and perhaps my opinion would change okay so how about Instagram Let, let's move on to Instagram because you guys have 30,000 followers on Instagram that's insane so and 100% organic sorry 100% organic as well yeah and not only that but uh you have like serious engagement there you know i, I i'm watching you i'm watching you i'm following you you're watching me i'm watching you <laughs> so what are the best techniques how you get get so many real followers on instagram so i mean there aren't really any secrets but what we tend to do is so i did mention that we provide social media consultancy support to the the companies that we work with to our advertising partners on the site And one thing that we mentioned with Instagram is you have to devise a strategy. So you have to look at what you believe your, con your, your readers or your potential followers are interested in and provide that content accordingly. And that doesn't really sound like much, but it's essentially providing photos that people want to like and people want to read. Mm. And, and also you have to think about what your brand stands for. So I look at so many awesome brands and I love their product and I look at their Instagram and they're sharing pictures of like the team going out for dinner or they're sharing pictures of them like going for a walk on the beach. And, they, and their brand is to do with, say, I don't know, about high-end coffee roasting. And a lot of people, they, they're, they're kind of desperate to use Instagram as a personal tool for their personal brand, but they should be building their business within it. So, I mean, the Instagram growth has been great because we're always having uh, regular original content. So we tend to uh, share three articles a day. Or sorry, not three articles, three posts a day. But also, um, we desperately try and leverage that tool to get people onto the website. Because a common thing you see with many Instagram uh, feeds and Instagram users is they have so many followers, but then you really have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So you sometimes you look at some people and you think, wow, they have so many followers, and you actually you can't really work out what the business actually is. You, you mentioned that uh, you want to send them to your website, but... Instagram does not let you link the, the picture you, you know, you're inserting. So are you sending them to your profile or? So what we do is we have a day. So we tend to share an article each day via Instagram. And we say uh, the link is in the bio. So oh, okay. people have to revert back to the profile and read it. And it's actually been incredibly useful. But it's more serves as a tool, in my, in my opinion, to ensure that people are reminded we're a publication. Because often with Instagram accounts, you're just sharing so much interesting and beautiful photos. But you have to remember what, what the aim is for you of Instagram. So if you're a coffee roaster, for example, you're using Instagram to get people to understand, to know your brand, to be familiar with what you're doing, with the ultimate goal of getting them to purchase your coffee. Mm -hmm. 
So you're not you're not only just going to share an image of you roasting coffee. You're going to explain what you're doing, and you're going to explain what you're doing because you want your potential buyers or your potential consumers to understand that, so they believe in your brand and they're going to want to buy your coffee because it's different. So you have to build that into each post. Okay, how do you do that? <laughs> so I mean. For example, I feel a strong way, a good way to do it is you need to look at, think of the caption or think of the of the text that you're going to write as you take the photo. So I've noticed many people take beautiful photos and then later on think, oh, I better add, I better add a cool comment and make a little joke. But if you can actually, I mean, it's, it's hard because you have to sit down and work out what 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 do you think your your readerships are after. So in the case of Perfect Daily Grind, the users they're looking for coffee information and coffee news. So we have to think about, okay, well, what, people, what do people want to hear about? What do people want to see? And then provide that. So we do a range of content, and it's all about testing things as well. So much like yourself, I imagine, sometimes you think something is absolutely brilliant, and you share it, and no one seems to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. Yep. So, and then other things you think, well, that's not going to be that interesting, and people love it. So it's about constantly doing tests as well. Okay, uh, you said that you post three times a day. Now I'm kind of trying to put myself in a position of, of a coffee roaster or a, a cafe. Uh, how can we, the businesses, post three times a day? We don't have really time for that. And where do we get all these amazing pictures? Because I think that the best pictures, okay, so the pictures with the most engagement are usually pretty awesome. You know, you, you don't, as you said, you don't get too many likes on the pictures where you go out for dinner with your friends, right? Yes, very true. So where do you get that content from? I mean, it's a question of perhaps working. I mean, we have uh, Pivot to the Grind has a photographer who produces original content, takes photos each day, which I understand is not something that most uh, small roasters would be able to do. But we also have a massive stock of photos. So when I went to Korea recently, we took some photos there. When we went to Brazil, we took photos there and we hold them in reserve. Mm -hmm. So then, And then also you can work photos into what you're doing. So, for example, tomorrow we have an article on eight steps to purchasing the perfect espresso machine. So that means during the day we're going to have a picture to do with espresso, so to direct people to traffic towards the article that we're publishing. So we'll publish a feature post which will demonstrate, okay, the article has gone live in an attractive way, and then also we'll have photos supporting that. So that's what I would say is working towards a strategy. So creating a stock of photos that you continually use And if need be, you can also regram photos. It's not something we tend to do, but I notice many successful accounts do that. So they study a certain hashtag. Say, for example, you're a micro roaster. You can hashtag Geisha, look at those photos and reshare them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, you need an app for that called Regram, or there are similar apps, just to make sure that people understand. And uh, uh, you basically get a little like icon on your picture on your image that it was reshared. So you, it's not stolen, basically. Yeah, also I've noticed some other accounts which do a lot of resharing. They take a screenshot and then they crop that image and they give the credit within the uh, uh -huh. description of the photo. Okay, with the, with the monkey, what do we call them? At sign. With the emojis. Emojis, yeah. okay. Cool. Uh, one thing which I wanted to ask you, because at I, we are very active on, on Instagram nowadays. Not so active as you guys. We cannot do three pictures uh, a day. But we actually hired a person who draws us images and their little cartoons. And we do three a week. 
and they're all that's awesome that's all custom made and she's an artist and it's great because we support the art and uh she just makes amazing things check it out it's uh at green plantation and we also i started to do some pictures but i know you know i love to f- do photography but it takes a lot of time and i do them with a the camera just to pe- explain people that instagram is originally designed to make images with your phone when you can do a very solid images especially if you have one of the newer phones you can make beautiful pictures but a lot of people including me we use uh, slrs we make nice pictures edit them in photoshop and upload them that way so it's up to you but i was going to ask you about uh hashtags so i saw these apps where you can exchange likes and exchange uh, like uh, people like uh, followers what do you think about these we've never actually used them just because you have to have people that engage with your content so like we mentioned before on facebook it can mm-hmm. it, it can become a vanity exercise okay you look at your confessor and you think well they have x number of likes and i want to have that number but it's meaningless if you're not actually getting any likes on your photos and you're not getting any and you're not getting any comments so you can look at for example some other roasteries or other coffee publications and compare them to us and you can see for each photo we're getting a number of likes and it's because it's they're all organic so i would say avoid those tools if you can because they're not re- they doesn't it doesn't really lead to any likes per photo it doesn't really lead to any comments and once you establish a real organic following, then you can use that as a tool. You can start open and active dialogue and you can actually use it to, to kind of uh, communicate with your, with your customers. So an example of that could be, I don't know, we asked the readers, what are you dialing in this morning via espresso? We get like 40 comments, people saying, I'm dialing in this, I'm dialing in this, I'm dialing in this. And you're thinking, okay, well, everyone's dialing in these coffees. But if you look at all of these, there's certainly a coffee which everyone's interested in at the moment. Why is that? And you begin to think, and then before you know it, you've got something which you're going to start investigating. That's amazing. That's a great information. I mean, first of all, I agree with you. I just wanted to ask you why people should not use these, you know, <clears throat> automatic liking and sharing or whatever is that. But uh, I like your attitude when you said ask questions. We are so many times involved with ourselves and posting what, you know, is new with us, what's happening, and but then we never ask questions. And questions are very important because A, you get bigger engagement, and B, you get amazing answers. And those answers can be vital for your next strategies, business strategies, posting strategies, whatever, you know. So ask questions. My next question is about hashtags. How important are they, and how many shall you use? That is a difficult question. Um, I we use. I think hashtags are very important, but they're not the kind of thing that just generate immediate likes. And a lot of people, I think, they use them once or twice, and they say, "Oh, they don't work." But if you think about what a hashtag is, it's basically like a reference number. So what happens is when someone, if you use the hashtag, for example, AeroPress, when someone's looking for AeroPress photos, they'll come across your photo, and they might like it, and they might engage with you. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to use a, a wide number of hashtags, but also they've got to be specific. And a lot of people, they really fail on this. They, they think, okay, well, millions of people drink coffee, so I'll use hashtag coffee. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that means there's going to be millions of photos and the potential for someone to find your photo is going to be incredibly low. Okay. So you have, you have to balance with what you think, what you think is a popular hashtag with, the, with what you could even get some engagement with. Because you could serve hashtag London, and that probably, I don't I mean, I, that's probably billions of photos even. You know, my first experience with uh, Instagram hashtags, 
And I never had a lock with a Twitter hashtag. So this is an Instagram hashtag. So my first experience with Instagram hashtags, I was in, in Maui. And I made some picture and I hashtagged it, either Maui or Aloha or something. And suddenly I got likes from people I never heard of. But when I checked them out, they're from Hawaii. And, you know, Hawaii is known for kind of being very friendly. And it was kind of awesome that, you know, they, they, they see the cocktail I made picture of or they see the coffee plant I made picture of. So, yeah, I think the hashtags really work. They're cool. And you have to be kind of uh, creative with them. But creative enough so you get some audience. Uh, how many hashtags do you use per post? It really depends. I mean, we test out a variety of hashtags and see what works and what doesn't. Probably around 10. Oh, okay. That's that's what I try to go for. You, you can save you can save them and reuse them. I mean, yeah. You also I I, I like it. The Perfect Daily Grind now has a hashtag. So if you go hashtag Perfect Daily Grind, people are now sharing content using our hashtag. Oh, okay. So what do you do with that? If if you um, see a hashtag Perfect Daily Grind, a smile, and we celebrate as a team. We no, we we look we look at it, and it just basically means that someone's directly engaging with us, and they want us to see that photo. So we'll look at it. And we'll, and it's an opportunity to have direct content or direct contact with with our followers. And also it establishes your presence. So if a hundred people use hashtag Daily Grind, then maybe a thousand people will see that hashtag and they'll think, who's Daily Grind? They'll look us up. Or they might start using it themselves and the chain continues. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I asked, you know, the, maybe the question was kind of stupid, but I asked it because uh, a lot of people get hashtagged or tagged and they never react to that and i think that's vital that you as a business or anyone you engage with the audience because social media are social media so if they like you if they comment to you you should you should be nice enough to comment back right? yeah it's an honor i mean someone's actually thinking of you when they're doing the post i mean it sounds <laughs> they're thinking of you they're, they're, they're sharing a picture and they're thinking who would like to see this or, or even more of an honor they may be thinking how can i get people more people to see my photo and they're thinking of your company I mean, obviously, you're very good in social media because you take this as a natural thing. But believe me, there's a lot of people who don't do that. And yeah, it's weird. Definitely. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at ours now. And it's Australia was one. The one before that was somewhere in the United States. One before that was Kavala Coffee. I believe that's in Slovakia. Slovakia, yeah. That's our competitor. Ah, Okay, we won't. We will cut that out. No, no, I'm okay with that. I'm not. Look, I'm very really self-confident. I'm not afraid of. Uh, and by the way, he's a big fan. The guy is a big fan. So that's it's... awesome. That's that's what I mean. Like he's done hashtag perfectly grind. So I'm gonna message him. Yeah, say hi. Valerian says hi. <laughs> I will do. Cool. Uh, okay, so we talked about hashtags. We talked about the f- don't use fake uh, likes, fake uh, uh, followers. Do you have any other kind of cool tips on Instagram? Um, you have to be original. So, I mean, that's not so much a cool tip, but be original and be creative. I've noticed that on Instagram particularly, people want to see new photos. So if you if you peruse your Instagram feed, you'll see thousands of pictures of latte art, but the ones that get the most comments and the most likes and get the most shares and, and uh, reshares are the ones which is original content. So we... I was actually very lucky. Our photographer came up with the concept of a Lego series. Oh, yeah. So we're I saw combining, that. Yeah, we're, we're now combining coffee with Lego. So we're trying to appeal to two different audiences. Obviously, people that drink coffee and are interested in coffee. But then also, we can go into the less coffee geek, I feel, 
because I mean, anyone, even say my sister, my parents, my friends, they would all look at that and think, oh, that's funny, Lego in coffee. They would get it. So we're trying to branch out into the guess, the general consumer. Because if you're just hitting pictures of aero presses, of V60s, of uh, La Mozocos, then it's still within the specialty coffee niche. So you can use it to branch out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of specialty coffee, and now uh, it reminds me of one hashtag, hashtag specialty coffee. What's happening to me is when I hashtag it, I in the first two seconds, I get a like from a very concrete company. I'm not going to name them. And it happens like maybe, I don't know, seven out of 10. And I'm sure that they are not sitting there and waiting for my post, you know, with that hashtag. Is there some kind of like automatic uh, hashtag liking or something like that? Yeah, I mean, so I, I looked into it because... I was curious uh-huh. and you can, you can have these uh, tools and they uh, automatically like certain hashtag photos. I don't personally use it and we don't personally use it at Perfect Daily Grind because it's not real and we're all about real engagement and being responsive. But ultimately you can have these tools which automatically like certain tags and I've seen many businesses use them, a couple within coffee. But also you have to bear in mind that if you're liking those photos, you don't know what you're liking, Yeah, which is a big concern. So if you think about Perfect Daily Grind, I mean, hashtag grinder. It's a completely different thing. Or if you go hashtag grind on coffee, I'm sure you'll get a lot of things to do with uh, motivational videos or bodybuilding. You can, you, can, you can immediately go into a completely irrelevant audience. Cool. Okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to email marketing. How strong is your email marketing? Are you doing that? Do you find it uh, efficient? Do you find it cool? I think it's incredibly important. So we started a newsletter about three months ago. And the aim of that was to have a direct engagement with our readership. Because I know baristas and coffee roasters and uh, anyone who works in the coffee industry, we're very busy people. We wake up early and we go to bed late. So we don't have time often to go, go on a website and read an article. So to make sure that we have that engagement, to make sure people remember us and know what's going on, we send a weekly concise summary of the industry tens and the trends and the top trending articles. Mm-hmm. And we send that, at, it tends to be every Wednesday. Okay. And we use that because it's, a re, it's for two reasons. It's a reminder and also ultimately leads to people visiting the site. Okay. Uh, what kind of platform do you use? It's MailChimp. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's, it's quite clever because when I started off, it's completely free. But then when you hit 2,000 subscribers, it becomes... I think it's something like $35 a month and it grows as you get more and more followers. Yeah, they're all like that. Um, do you have any cool tips for people doing email marketing? How to uh, get, for example, the emails, you know? Do you buy them? You, what do you mean, the emails? <laughs> How they get uh, people on their email list? Uh, we do it by direct engagement. So, for example, with Twitter, when we have a conversation with someone, we get them to sign up. Or when uh, when we go to events like, say, Atlanta, SCAA this year, we'll get people to sign up then. Mm-hmm. Also, within the website, when you on the site, you get a pop-up saying, would you like to sign up to our newsletter? Do the pop-ups work? Because some people kind of shy away that, oh, they're annoying. You know, I don't want them on my website. No, they work. People sign up each day. Cool. I agree with you. I'm just checking, you know. <laughs> and, and also, it's good because you can see the domain names. And you can start working out who your readers are because you can obviously tell who signed up by their name. Okay, so 
what would you advise for a coffee business? Because you said you're sending out tips and that's kind of different when you send out, uh, let's say deals and stuff. So what would you advise to a, a business? Like what kind of content they should send? I agree. It's very different because when you're trying to sell something, people react differently rather than free information. But um, you've got to always think of what would be a value. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but what would you want to receive? Mm. So, I mean, a lot of people kind of forget about that. But if you have your email, what emails annoy you and what emails do you find useful? Do you find useful an email with a discount that comes every single week? Probably not because then it just becomes an email which you continually get. But if it's... uh, some unique information that's interesting, then yes. I mean, perhaps as a coffee roaster, you could create content so you could share some links from the week and then provide uh, information about a coffee or you could find information relevant to that coffee. But you might want to do it not so much every week because I think that's quite heavy if you're selling something, but every month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I do too. You know, in the United States, we sell digital products like the online courses. And in Slovakia, I sell like a real product, like something which you can hold in your hand. That's the coffee. And for a long time, Green Plantation, the Slovak company, did not have emails. The email is because we were just like, we don't want to annoy people, you know, with email because they don't work. But actually, they do work a lot. And I realized, you know, the digital side in here in the United States. And as you said, you know, we don't do sales on email every time, but first we provide value. And that's very important because that's, we talked about it before. That's how you create trust. People start to trust you. First, they trusted you when they gave you your their email. And that's a biggie. That's a very big thing that they trust you to give you their email. And then if you abuse it, that sucks. You know, they will never trust you again. So you have to be careful, provide them value. And then maybe here and there you can, you know, uh, provide some kind of salesy message. And that's fair, right? Because you're providing them with a lot of good information then do the salesy stuff. So I took that model and we did it in Green Plantation. We kind of do combination where because we know that our customers do like sales. We do them very rarely. So they are always looking for them. And, you know, we give them tips, you know, how to brew coffee. We send them videos, what we do, and, and they like it. And actually that works, you know. So even as a, as a business, you can make it, not only about deals, you know, you can make it also about some kind of value. Yeah, I mean, just think about what, what would you want to receive? I mean, it's a simple thing to do, but if you use that as a framework, what annoys you and what do you appreciate getting? Because there are some newsletters which I look forward to receiving and there are others where I delete it before I even opened it. Mm-hmm. So the way how we collect emails, just to share uh, our thing, we, we use lead magnets. Uh, in, in both in my digital products here in the United States, also in, in, uh, in Slovakia. So people who already sign up uh, for, let's say, the free email course, uh, sorry, so the, the free coffee roasting email course, or people who downloaded some PDFs from us, they know they had to give us their emails. And that's how we built our email list. It's not a secret. That's how you do it. It's called Lead Magnet. Uh, then we actually segment these. So I don't know, maybe in coffee world, it's not, if you have a coffee roaster, it's not that important. But if you have a business which, let's say, sells uh, coffee, sells uh, espresso equipment, sells different things, you can segment these people by giving them different lead magnets. So for example, you know, in, in coffeecourses.com, if you sign up for our list of coffee importers, we know you are interested in importing coffee, green coffee. That's a different list than people who sign up for the uh, coffee roasting email mini course. And you can send them emails based on that. The tool we use now is GetResponse, and I'll 
link it down and it's affiliate link. So if you buy get response, you will support the podcast. But I use it everywhere. I use it in Green Plantation. I use it also here simply because it let me segment. It let me do a lot of kind of fancy stuff. But we started with MailChimp and I also put a link to the MailChimp here because MailChimp, if you never did email marketing, MailChimp is amazing stuff for a start because the first 2000 uh, signups are free. So I guess that's how you started, guys, right? It's good. The first 2000 signups are free, but then they're not free after that. So it means you kind of locked into it in a way. But if you use the email list properly, that's worth every penny. Like for, I, I think that for us, the most efficient media is actually the email. Definitely. And also you can monitor the open rate and then they click through. So again, you, there'll be some businesses which will claim to have a massive email list or a newsletter list because they may have just added a bunch of people to their new to their newsletter. But what you really want to have is having people engaging and opening with it. And mm-hmm. our average open rate is around 40%. That's very nice. Edge. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. Okay. I have two questions from listeners. We didn't get too many on our um, Facebook group, coffees.me, where people can ask questions uh, from future um guests but they also can ask questions after this podcast so just feel free to go to coffees.me facebook group and ask the questions so the first question is from chuck and he's asking if there was only one thing i could pursue to increase web traffic what would that be what strategy is the biggest bang for buck the biggest bang for buck um I think if you can work hard and you can get people signing up to your newsletter, that's very good for retaining an existing customer base and keeping them interested. But I imagine as a small business, you want to branch out. You want more people to find out about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I would work hard to establish yourself as an influencer within your local coffee community. So that's rather than actually spending money, that's about using your time. Okay. So that's not even a social media, right? Or you want to do it via social media? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, via Instagram become known in your local community comment mm-hmm. on the local cafes okay gotcha. comment on the local i mean it's very quick you can quickly within i mean so with instagram it actually suggests pe- uh other if you're looking at a particular page it will suggest similar pages so you can use that and you can track that and you can engage with those people that's right cool so i i give you chuck i'll give you my opinion about this and my tip uh i think that video ads on facebook are very cheap and if, if you're thinking of advertising one of your products that's the way to go. And, you know, just tell you an example, like before Christmas time, you know, we started a big uh, advertising campaign with Green Plantation. And suddenly everybody else did. And not because we started, but obviously it's a Christmas season. I mean, it's a holiday season, so everybody is advertising. And if we would put image or a, or a regular post, that was kind of expensive. So what I did, I took an image which I planned to uh, use I put it into uh, uh, a video editor and just put overlay of snow over that. And suddenly it became a video. And I posted on, on Facebook as a video ad. So our cost was much, 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 much lower. So that's a tip for you. If you want to advertise on Facebook, try videos. And you can you know just do a small trick like you did, put a, some kind of video overlay or uh, image or just you know add few images and make it into a video. Because videos on Facebook are really cheap because nobody else is doing them until they heard this tip, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and one thing I would say is there's not necessarily like people want to hear, with anything, people want to hear, well, what, what's, what's the one thing I can do? It's about combining several things. And 
working them together. And that's why when we work with com- with partners on the site, we 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 often we provide social media consultancy as part of it. We provide a banner because it all comes together. You need to have content to share. You need to have people familiar with your brand so then they engage more heavily on social media. So it's about using several different tools together. I understand that takes time, but to give you an indication, till about uh, three months ago, I was working full time at a management consultancy firm called Accenture. Mm-hmm. And I was working perhaps 9 a.m. till minimum 8.30, p.m. And then running the website in my free time, the whole website. Wow. So when people say they don't have time, I think you can make time. Yeah, it, you can make that. It's it's more like the motivation. I, I can feel myself that, you know, sometimes I'm very productive and I crank out a lot of articles and sometimes it's just not happening, you know. And, you know, I'm pretty strict to myself. I want to give out a content which people will enjoy. I don't blog for just the sake of blogging. That's just silly, you know, because, you know, you write, you still spend time on that and nobody reads that. So what's the point, right? So you want to make it count. Okay, uh, from Richard, we have a question. If you if you were to start from the ground up again with $500 to spend on marketing, how would you invest it? And I saw your comment on, on the coffees.me group. <laughs> so you can say that if you want. Uh, I would say, no, well, well, my comment was go on Perfect Daily Grind and get a banner advertisement. <laughs> but... Because then, then as part of that, we'd incorporate some social media consultancy. But on a more serious note, um, I would try and find someone who could work with you on your social media. Perhaps find someone young that you can work with who has a better understanding. Because a lot of people say, always say to me, oh, it's too much. We don't have time. And our social media team, we work very hard. And everyone has their own expertise. And often you'll find that younger people or someone might, may be happy with a small monthly budget to do your social media for you. I would contradict here. Uh, sorry about that, but I, I, I totally disagree. I think that you should not uh, give out your social media to anyone. You have to be very careful. They have to understand your product. They have to understand what you do. Yeah, no. What I mean, what I mean is, I, I explained it very badly. I mean, like for example, you've got those awesome cartoons which I'm looking at now. Oh, cool! Thanks. And you can work. You can work to have work with someone to have content mm-hmm. in, in such a way. So perhaps I didn't explain it right. Because I completely agree. There's always the temptation, and it happens with so many companies, that someone ends up doing social media that has no idea to do with the product, and it can often be more detrimental to your business, especially with specialty coffee where there are so many faux pas, and it's so easy to offend so many people without even realizing. Yeah, and not, you know, it, as you said, we have to talk to our customers because it's a social media, so we have to understand them. So that's why I like to do social media. That's why, you know, and obviously I cannot do three posts a day, but... I'm happy when I can engage with them on Instagram. And it's kind of weird because the Instagram I do only for Green Plantation. It's in Slovakia. So, you know, all the pictures are from San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> you know, so they are like the Redwood Forest. And maybe I will make one for the Golden Gate. And But, you know, people already got used to the fact they know us that I am the one who is in California and Peter is the one who is in, in Slovakia. So, but I I know companies who hire let's say people in in china or hong kong to manage their social media and i think that's a mistake because you're losing the touch with your customer and it has to be really you because it's a social media it's not a a free big advertising you know billboard you know it's a social media no you know i can i agree i wasn't i didn't articulate my point particularly well i mean that for example 
it might even be someone within your family, someone just to help you get get to grips with it, because it's worth spending some time, spending a day even to really understand it, so then you can streamline it. Because often you leave it and you're always ending up doing it the last minute and you never really take the time to really work out how it works and the whole exercise becomes incredibly stressful. Mm-hmm. So it's about allocating that time or even getting someone to help you with it, getting some initial consultancy, I'd suggest. Yeah, that, that's good. We do that, by the way. So uh, I think we agree. We have these... Uh... Chris Shagan, who does the uh, little images <laughs> for us, she's she's amazing, and you know uh, if if I would be able to hire somebody who does the photography in Slovakia, so we actually can have Slovak pictures from the roastery and you know from our cafes, that would be awesome, but I don't find it yet. So in that case, I agree with you, but we have to be just I have to emphasize the fact that the content has to be from your heart. Uh, Henry, thank you so much. This was really awesome. There's a lot of valuable information. I was torturing you for one hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, long time. <laughs> so sorry about that, but you know, I want to know everything. You know, people want to know everything. So, okay, well, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to be talking to you, and I felt like I've learned a lot as well. It's always useful to talk to people, and whether I come to California or Slovakia, I'll definitely be in touch with you. That's awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's show. I hope uh, you got some great ideas how to improve your social media. If you have any questions or you have any comments, please join our Coffee Is Dot Me Facebook group and let's discuss stuff there. We discuss all kinds of things there, like coffee businesses, names, sometimes packaging, sometimes roasting. So come, come and join us and, and be part of us. If you like this show, please feel free to share. Let the world know that we exist. Let other businesses know that this is the place where we meet and we share our thoughts. So thanks again and talk to you soon. Bye.